After this magnificent adagio, when everything is darkness and despair and sorrow, only Beethoven could write a resurrec resurrection. He finishes uh, in F-sharp major. And now comes a section which is, to me, the most extraordinary in Beethoven. Um, this introduction to the fugue. You could call it the birth of counterpoint or in biblical terms, it's, it's like genesis. Yeah? So we finished like this. This is the whole passage. Now, without uh, talking about everything, but again, the, the basic idea of, of the th falling thirds is clear, but it's, Beethoven knows he wants to write a fugue now. And who is our model for writing fugues? Of course, Johann Sebastian Bach. And I can see Beethoven in my eyes, the, sitting at the piano and having 
a score of the well-tempered clavier in front of him, trying through different pieces and fragments and saying, yes, not this one. Let's try, let's play a few more thirds and try another Bach piece and then discard it again. Uh, like... Uh, when you play from Bach... And then next Bach piece... When you play from second book... It's the same key, G-sharp minor. And then, it's also wonderful, the first arpeggio in this piece, he plays all, all the notes F, that is at his disposal on his piano. And later he plays all the notes A. Now, if you, F and A is a tenth or a, an enlarged version of a third, and the first no, jump of the fugue will be this. So. Yeah? And the, f the whole piece started with a jump of the tenth. Here we are again with a... So, now comes the final stroke, this fantastic fugue, con alcune licenza, with some freedom. It's not a strict fugue in the Bachian sense, but with some freedom. Uh, it's in three voices, but what are the freedoms that sometimes he uses more voices than three. He will double the bass and play, play like an organist. And occasionally we will have much more voices than three. But for the most part of the fugue, he, he sticks to the three voices. Uh, it's a very difficult piece, but it should really not sound like chaos. If it sounds like chaos, it's, it's the performer's fault. I think, I, think, I think you have the right as a listener to understand something of this fugue. And it's our duty. Uh, and really, the more you think about this fugue and the more you analyze it, you, you find a, an incredible sense of order in it. Of course, it's monumentally difficult, and it should not sound easy. Again, the tempo is very fast, 144 to the crotchet. It's very fast, yes, maybe too fast. <laughs> and that's the theme. It, it's a very long theme for, for a fugue. For example, this was much shorter. And most of Bach's 
themes are quite, quite short. This one is very long. And so it starts with the jump of the tenth and puts a trill to it with a nachschlag, with a suffix. Now I play it slower because it's good for me to practice and you understand better. So again, listen to the thirds. So, so it's not democratic, not, not each note is equally important. Some notes are more important than others. So, so. So, the second voice enters and enters with a, with a tonal answer. As most of you know, but maybe not everybody, in a, in a fugue there is a, there is a, a dux and a comes, a, a proposition and an answer. And you can answer with a, with a real answer or with a tonal answer. I give you an example of Bach. For example, this is a real answer. So it's exactly the same, a fifth higher. Now I give you an, an example of a tonal answer. This one. Because this is a, a tonal answer because it started with a fifth and the answer is with a fourth instead of that would be a uh, real answer. So, Beethoven uses, started with a and the answer is a it's not, not a jump of a tenth but an eleventh. And so, he uses all the inventions and the devices of, of Bach and his contemporaries, what the fugue should show us. We have the theme, we have the inversion, we have augmentation, we have diminution, and we have strettas, we have the retrograde form or the cancresans. Um, this all sounds very academic, but um, you know, let me... and. Each station is a, a third lower than the before. When he introduces a new device like the augmentation, then, then he moves a third away from the previous one. Uh, so let's play a little bit.
already a third removed. <laughs> station G flat major and you see he plays here like an organist in octaves that's why it's a fugue with certain liberties and now comes a, a new like an episode But this is like a, a variation or a filling out of the interval of the tenth. But it sounds like a scherzando episode. What happens here? Yeah, we are again a third lower. We started B flat major, G flat major, E flat. Yes, um, and for the E flat major or minor, we have the augmentation. So the theme was like, and now. Augmentation means in larger note values. One and two and three. This is in slow motion. Uh, it makes it heavier that he puts in all those sforzandi. it around the augmentation it was pom pom now so that's the next one and then after this collision it's like a big traffic jam and uh, <laughs> 
We are back in this scherzando, but in A-flat major. which is a, in B minor, we were in E flat. Mm. And this is very interesting because you can only understand it if you analyze it on the paper. This is the retrograde or cancrisen or Krebs in German. Uh, actually, the cancer moves sideways, so it's not right, but, but the Germans call it Krebs because it, it goes backwards. So, uh -huh. so if you, you, you listen to the trill, if I turn it around home, yeah, I swear to God it's, it's the same, but uh, it's difficult to hear. And Above that, there is a beautiful legato counterpoint. So all the three parts, they play the retrograde. Now the soprano, now the bass plays. Yes. Now we have heard all of them, now we can move on. So now he just takes the tail piece of of the retrograde. And turns it around. Now, together, the tailpiece in normal form and in inversion. This is again con alcune licenza. It's like an orchestra. Na. And the bass thunders in with the real answer. Oh, the tone lancer, I mean. And then we have the theme in D major. writes dolce in this fugue. 
next station is the inversion. You remember? It's, it's like a mirror image. Alto Again, the bass plays the inversion. and the theme simultaneously and uh, and this is the absolute madness when the in the this jump of the tense on or the inversion it's just build just down to the smallest units just two notes and in diminution so and then it's up and down and up and down simultaneously <laughs> and this is like like an apocalypse, the end of the world, and there is silence, but not a fermata. The music goes on, and this is like, like a transformation. Suddenly comes, like out of Missa Solemnis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini. So, This is really out of this world. It's like, like centuries back if you were hearing Palestrina or something really medieval music, pure. Beethoven wants again una corda, just with one chord. Uh, and this is a very short section. And how he comes back from this D major to the B flat major tonic. This is quite extraordinary. Let me play it again. Mm -hmm. 
back. But this is like saying goodbye to a, to a world that will never come again. And now he takes away the una corda and again all the chords play. He is combining the two themes now, the Benedictus theme with the fugue. Fortissimo, like an organ, th thunders out the Benedictus. And you hear just fragments of the theme. And here, now again, the inversion and the and the normal theme together in estretto. Estretta means something tight. So that means that the second voice interrupts the first voice. It enters before the first voice finishes the theme. So this is the first voice and this is the second. And one crotchet just one beat later. It's very difficult to, to understand, but... final stage now. We have this dominant pedal point. has the inversion and here is the real answer in the sopran. At last we have the home key.
now there is like a like a cut in a film. Pum. Uh, or like after a volcanic eruption when there is still some smoke around. Just fragments and bits and pieces. So one is ascending and one is descending. The bass again. Again, a passage like this. It would be all right in a piano concerto, but not in a fugue. Yeah. And again, the bass, this low note. slows down to poco adagio, much slower than the real tempo. Again, you have six voices, so it's not a three-part strict. And then just a final humorous touch because Piece by Johann Sebastian Bach, E minor fugue. Where you have unisons, and unisons have no place in a fugue. It's a contradiction in term. That's why I feel that the Hammerklavier is not a monument in marble or bronze, but it's a human achievement with, with human touches and to show us that we are just people, not divine. The sequence of these jumps, you and even the, the end is unusual because it's all against the bar line. You have twos and threes and fours. Uh, now I talked quite a lot, but maybe I I just play it through once more for you. It's just about five minutes.